to the Tolling Line Podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi. Today, I got my man, Quinn Barham from the Ohio State University. And Quinn's been around coaching for some time now. Before Quinn gets into the topics we're going to talk about today, Quinn's going to talk about some social injustice issues that's been going on in this country for some time. So, Quinn, thank you for coming on today. And I'd appreciate it if you just take some time to introduce yourself and let the people know who you are, big dog. What's yeah, up, Gio, man? Thanks for having me, man. This is this is cool. Um, never really been a part of a podcast and uh, you know you and we've known each other for a few years now and so I appreciate what you're doing and uh, this is awesome for strength conditioning and, and just for you know people in general um, yeah so you know with me my background I'm initially from originally from Durham North Carolina um, grew up there awesome time there um, that that's home Durham Bull City that's what we call home that's what I call home and um, from there I uh, went to Hillside High School and was fortunate enough to to get a scholarship and and, and play and graduate from Penn State University, um, and, and got a chance to play under Coach Paterno, Joe, legendary Joe Paterno, and served as a captain um, from 2007 to uh, 2011. Awesome career, great time, probably best five years of my life. Um, and and I knew that I want I love how the body works, and I love uh, mm-hmm. people. I love working with people, helping people. Um, and then helping them change their lives for the better. So, and I, and I knew I either want to be a physical therapist or a celebrity personal trainer. And so, and, and so okay. we didn't have a strength coach back in, in high school. Um, and so I used to go in flex magazines, men's, men, men's fitness and um, just find workouts. You know, what could I do to help myself be a better football player? And, and that was in high school. And so, um, and that's kind of, you know, kind of led to my initial journey into strength conditioning. Um, so I go to Penn State and study exercise science there. Um, and I did a physical therapy internship and I loved it. I mean, we would have, you know, early morning workouts with football at six and I'll start my internship at seven. And I loved it. But you're working with a certain demographic that's like I enjoy working with those people, but those type of tasks they just didn't uh, inspire me. Um, but when like the young high school athlete with an ACL coming off an ACL injury, that really, you know, it got me going, excited me. Um, and so, and I love sports. I just love being in the locker room, being around the teammates and, and, and the athletes. And so um, did an internship uh, under John Thomas, who was my strength coach in college, John Thomas and Jeremy Scott at Penn State. And, um, that really kind of put it all together for what I wanted to do, um, you know, mm-hmm. for, with my career. So I graduated in 2011 um, and then got a brief opportunity to play uh, professionally with Detroit Lions. And, I mean, that was brief. That was OTA's mini camp and then got released and had to have knee surgery. So then I'm back home at my parents' house. and I'm like, all right, what, what you going to do? What's next? And um, uh-huh. I had to get up. I had to get up and get moving because my parents, you know, that's like, hey, you ain't going to be staying on our couch too long now. And I had my room. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they, they changed my room to, um, like, a guest room. So, all my stuff was gone. I mean, it's like, and I, and I liked that because, you know what? It told me, like, I need to get out. I need to go be a man and take that next step. So, I'm not trying to get it. Yeah. Um, and I knew I wanted to be a strength conditioning coach at that, at, you know, right in, it was in 2012. Um, so I'm like, all right, this is what I want to do. How can I get there? And at the time, I, once I recovered from my knee surgery, I'm working at the liquor store. I'm working at the grocery store. I'm working security part-time and I'm coaching at my high school, um, as the strength coach and an assistant O-line coach. And then trying to get certifications, get a personal training certification, just searching like what's the right way to get into it. So call some of my mentors up. Um, and former coaches, hey, how can I be a strength coach? What do I need to do? Um, and then started volunteering interning um, back in that, well, in that Raleigh-Durham area. You got NC State, you got Duke, um, North Carolina, Wake Forest, North Carolina Central, um, Shaw University, North Carolina A&T, East Carolina, so many schools there. So I frequented all of them, Sundays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, early in the morning. Um, and I'm in there. I'm at North Carolina A&T mopping floors and, and uh, helping any way I can. And got a call uh, at Carolina from Lou Hernandez, and, and they had a position for me. And so 
spent a year there in 2014. And Jason Veltkamp, who was at NC State at the time, um, and I had a previous relationship with him just for volunteering and interning. He gave me a call, said they had a position, and I was certified by that time. So I went there in 2015. And uh, by the grace of God, man, I uh, got some calls. And, and next thing you know, I'm at Ohio State in 2016. So, Quinn, that's awesome stuff, man. Like, you, you've, I mean, you've been at the highest level, NFL. I didn't even know that, and I, knew, and I know you for some time now, but that's awesome, man. So, powerhouse Division One, NFL, back at home. How was that for you, man? Like, were you depressed? Were you, like, going through a phase? Or, you know, did you, did you see it as opportunity to bounce out? and do something greater with yourself. Oh, man, it's, it's definitely an opportunity. One thing my mom always told me uh, was step into your greatness. And she said uh-huh. it all That's the awesome. time, all the time. It, it, you know, anytime it was, let's say, a holiday and, you know, your parents would get you cards or a gift and, you know, you're living in the house with them, they still got your cards. And so uh-huh. in the card, it was a you know, short message, hey, happy birthday, um, and whatever, you know, loving message she would write. And then it would always say step into your greatness. And I never really understood that, but it was always in the back of my mind. And now I'm older and, and on my own, married, independent, and just trying to do my thing out here. It, it just made sense. Um, and, and during that time, um, you know, when, when school was over and, you know, ball was over, I, I had to get up. I didn't like depending on people. I never was a, I'm a, I'm a blue collar person. I mean, I, I don't like taking, I don't like taking handouts. I don't like things being given to me. I like earning things. Um, and so, and I knew that, you know, there, there's a idea that when you uh, play football or play a, a, a revenue generating sport um, at a university, you think that there's an idea that, you know, you'll, you'll be taken care of. Like, Hey, you, got a job automatically, whatever you need, you got it. And yeah. it's not that case for everybody who plays uh, collegiate sports, whether it's basketball, football, or, or whatever. That's not the way it goes. You still have to get up and get yours. Um, and it's important that you got to get on the phone. You got to do the research and figure out because people are willing to help. It's just not going to, it just won't be given to you. And I think that's where a lot of right. people kind of mess up. So I, that's what I had to do. I had to get up and go get it. That's good stuff, man. Hustler mentality. I love it, man. So, Quinn, I want to get your take on racial injustice in America before we get into today's topics, man. Yeah, um, I think this is a great time for our country and in the world, um, aside from the from the pandemic, uh, which is, you know, devastating in itself. Um, but we're also dealing with, you know, something we've that that's um, plagued this country for a very long time, which is racism. and so. It's finally being brought to the forefront, and it seems like people are listening, particularly white people um, and, and white people in power, and people are being educated. Um, and this is, you know, I, I like this time. This is good because this is what we need. If we want to be, you know, who we say we are, which is, you know, uh, you know, we're equal and equal opportunity and all these great things that we try to pride ourselves on when we tell ourselves it's important that we live up to it. Um, it's, it's, you know, I think we're hypocrites if we say one thing and do another. Um, and, right. you know, and, and with the way the country is right now, we, this is all a result from uh, what's happened in the past. Slavery, um, how we're raised and things like that. So we have to deal with it. Both sides, all sides have to deal with it. Um, and we have to talk, mm-hmm. we have to listen, we have to be logical, we have to learn how to control our emotions um, and just understand and hear each other. And, and it won't be easy. It won't, it won't, this won't be over in a year. It won't be over in 10 years. But we should be taking, making progress um, and, and taking actual, like taking action, like real action, not lip service, but actual action to create more opportunity, to um, increase knowledge, increase the wealth and, and helping, just helping each other up. Um, I think it's, it's a, it's a large gap in so many areas that we didn't know existed. There's a, there's structural racism. There's, um, there's a, a yeah. system in place that oppresses people of color that a lot of people didn't really know, but they're benefiting from it. And that doesn't make you a bad person. You just need to be aware of it. And I think if more people were aware of it, 
then they would realize like, hey, this is wrong. I wouldn't want this done to me. I wouldn't want this done to my family. I wouldn't want this done to the generations of my family to come. So let's fix this because we all have our own talents and gifts and God-given abilities. And just think about what would happen if we brought it all together. How much better could we be? Instead of saying, hey, you, you're down here, you're inferior, and I'm superior, I'm above you. How about, hey, man, or, you know, hey, I know something that might be able to benefit you. You know something that might be able to benefit me. Let's come together, share this knowledge, and be better. Uh, let's look at each other differently. Let's, let's see each other um, as, as, as equals. Like, we all want the same things. We all want love, wealth, success, long mm-hmm. life. Um, we want our families and our, our generations to come to be protected and, and taken care of. And if you notice what in what I said with those things that we want, color has nothing to do with it. So exactly. during this time, I think it's great as long as action comes next and, and legitimate action comes next to change how things have been and how we see each other and then view each other. That's perfectly said, man. I, I agree with you on every single point, man, because, you know, it's it, horrible for what happened to the man Floyd. All we got to do is raise our children better, put better teachers in place, put more educated law enforcement out there on the streets. And, you know, we could hopefully mitigate the stuff that's going on. So I appreciate you talking about that. Man. Absolutely. Big time, man. But now to get into the, what, what they like to call the meat and potatoes. I like to call it spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> or the whole thing, man. <laughs> uh, Quinn, you know, you were a high profile athlete. So, you were once on the side of the athlete. Now you're the coach coaching the high-profiled athlete. How do you, you know, go about managing the egos of some of these kids that you see uh, at that high level, you know, being a former player and now a coach? Uh, how have you transformed into uh, managing the ego? Oh, man, well, let me, let me, let me correct you. I was not a high-profile <laughs> athlete. I was a two-star, three-star player. Um, and, you know, the coaches at Penn State happened to see me. Um, when they were when they were visiting to look at one of my best friends, look at him. He was the five star guy, and I happened to be the two star guy that was just in the weight room trying to make up his own workouts. And then they happened to see me. Um, <laughs> that, that's how that happened. Um, but you know, I, you know, it's and and times are changing with with the athlete. Um, they're, they're still going to be, especially collegiate athletes. They're still going to be, you know, eighteen to twenty three, twenty four. Um, but I think they change with the culture and they change with the times. And it's important that we do that as coaches. Um, and naturally, we all have egos. You know, we're all governed by our self-interest. And, you know, with, with some of these athletes and some, I guess, the quote-unquote high profile, um, I think it's a, it's a combination of confidence uh, with slight arrogance. I think you're confident in your abilities um, as, as a young player because you know that you have something you know, that, that makes you better than others athletically, but then um, you have to have a certain humility with you. Like, hey, I know I'm good. I know, I'm not, I know I have potential. I'm being told that by my community, my friends, coaches, college coaches, um, but we can't just stop there. And so these, these athletes have to know that there's always room for improvement, always room for growth, and there's always going to be somebody better. So I think if you keep that in your, in, in, in your back of your mind, that gives you a humble spirit and so that you, you kind of you work harder each day at your craft. Um, as far as managing that ego, you know, I, I've seen some athletes and I haven't been, co- I haven't been coaching long. I'm, a, I'm, I'm still considered a young coach. I would tell myself that. Um, and you, you, they come in with, with egos and that's, and that's okay. And it's our job as coaches to lead them and, and guide them and teach them how to manage that ego. Sometimes you got to bring them down. Sometimes you got to you got to you got to bring them down to, to ground zero so you can build them back up, um, uh-huh. so they understand how to use that confidence and how to use those those abilities and how they can use it to not only enhance their career but also enhance the team that they're a part of. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys had that championship culture, that championship you know mentality, and it and it shows. You know, and it's been a success to you know you and your staff and whatnot, and how you guys you know coach these kids and the type of kids you bring in now hard coaching versus smart coaching. Yeah. I, I think it, it starts with you as a coach in an organization and you have your standards. So at Ohio state, we have a certain standard where how we train our athletes. 
we have a certain standard where we coach them. Um, and there's a, a level of expectation and a level of accountability that we hold them to. And we mm-hmm. tell them that in recruiting. Um, we, we tell them that it will be tough. It will probably be one of the hardest things you'll do in your life, but it will also be one of the most beneficial things that you do. And so we're aren't, we, we, we aren't just training you for the field. We're training for life after. We're training you to be a better husband, a better father, a better son, um, in, in your various roles, a productive member of society. And so hard coaching, I believe coaching has to be intense because you're trying to get an athlete from point A to point B. And mm-hmm. it won't be a straight line. It won't be linear. It, 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 it'll be some ups and downs. It'll be some bumps in the road. Um, but it's our, like I said before, it's our job to lead them and guide them. They don't know that they don't know. And so with any kind of growth, it's going to be uncomfortable. It, it, will be, it will be arduous. It will be nasty. It will be stagnant sometimes. There will be a plateau. Um, I believe uh, Tim Kite, who's one of our leadership consultants, he says, uh, all progress is small, slow, and daily. And, and in human nature, we want things fast. We want things. We don't want to wait. We don't want to, <laughs> we, we, we want it now. We want it in a week. Yeah. And, and we, and you and I both know that, you know, the body doesn't change in, in, in two weeks. Just because you put in work for two weeks, you won't see that much adaptation. So right. teaching these athletes how to, how yeah. to manage that. So when it comes to hard coaching, it has to happen. Um, but you also are respectful. And, Every athlete is different. Some some athletes don't respond to different different styles of coaching. That some of that in your face and profanity, things like that, they may not motivate certain athletes. Uh, mm-hmm. That may not work with them. And I think a lot of it comes from you know how they were raised. Um, I'm not going to be disrespectful to a, to an athlete. I'm not going to call you out your name. I'm, I'm going to attack your behavior if you, if it's not according to our standard. But I'm never gonna 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 disrespect you in in, in that kind of way because I would want that for myself, um, right? And I always try to think of you know how would I want my son or my daughter to be coached and to be treated. So I think it's a combination of hard coaching and smart coaching. I think um, a smart coach is able to read the room to 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 see where he or she can insert themselves to see uh, a certain change in the athlete. Um, you have to be very strategic in how you do that. I think if you, if you spend so much time talking and coaching up 20 things in, in, in a set, I would say most of those things won't stick with the athlete. So yeah. that's where the smart coaching comes in. But now when they know what you want and when they know um, what the expectation is, that's when the hard coaching comes in. That's when you coach that effort, you coach the behavior, um, and you, you, you attack how they do it. So I think that's, if that answers your question. No, yeah, I love that. Attack the behavior, not the individual, because, you know, we, we all want our, you know, athletes to act a certain way or, you know, uh, abide by the culture, you know, the standards and the guidelines, like you said, that, you know, institutions put in. So, yeah, I like that. Attack the behavior, change the habits of the athlete. As a coach, you have to do your research. You have to do your work. And uh-huh. you, 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 what you wrote down on the paper as far as your program will not work unless you know your athletes and know how to connect with your athletes and have that relationship. And so part of that relationship is understanding how they grew up, um, how they were raised, because you have your style, you have your style of coaching, but then let's say yeah. you're in a brick wall with a certain athlete, male or female, you have to figure out why, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Um, that, that is, is, that, that why can't I reach this athlete? And mm-hmm. so that's when you do your research. And then, and then let's say you ask the position coaches since they recruited the athlete, Hey, what do you know about it? What about, about his family? What do you know about his, his, um, his home life? Did he, did he have two parents? Was it just a, a single mom? Was it, did he was he raised by his grandma? Was, was a man in the house? Because a lot of times what I've seen is um, some athletes respond to that motherly presence more. Some athletes don't. Yes, yes. Yes. Some don't respond to that that strong male um, presence because they didn't they didn't grow up with that. So if you didn't right. grow up with that in the house, and then you're 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 moving clear across the country to Ohio, 
And then you have, you know, 40, 50 men yelling, screaming at you to do something. You, you're going to take that as an attack. You aren't going to take that as somebody trying to build me up and help me because that's not what you're used to. So then I think what, what separates the, 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 what separates the next level coach is doing that research and then figure out how can I meet this athlete where they are and then push and guide them to where I want them to be. So you got to consider those things. Yeah, no, definitely. And I always try to develop as best as I can personal relationships with my athletes. I don't try to get too invasive, but I try to know them on a level of, hey, we're people. I'm trying to know you as a person, not as a student athlete right now. So I think it's important to know the family background. You know, like you said, some of these kids love having the, the womanly figure, the womanly voice. Um, you know, we do our best to try to hire one female intern to, you know, make that uh, hmm. connection a little bit easier like with these smart. kids. So that's, that's more I like that. Yeah. You know, and, and not just, I mean, we also try to, you know, encourage women in the field to become strength coaches too, but that's also um, one strategy we found that worked for some of our athletes. So uh, loved all the points you talked on, man. So uh, the Ohio State, uh, quote unquote, DBU, I like to call you guys first round <laughs> you right now. <laughs> Championship mindset, Q. You guys did it all. Conference title every Saturday. You guys are just out there doing what you're doing. Even when you were at Penn State, you guys were doing what you were doing. You know what it takes to win, Quinn. You've been in that uh, culture, that environment of just – mentality of championship. When you guys get these freshmen into your program, mm -hmm. how do you hit that reset button on these kids and how do you recalculate the mindset of the athlete? I think it starts with leadership um, and, and the standard. So, and, and then understand that we're in, we're in it together. However, we have our, our roles. My role is to coach you. My role is to lead you, to motivate you, to educate you, to cultivate you, um, to help you actualize your dreams and accomplish even more than that. It won't, it will not be easy. Um, it, it will be difficult. It will be tough, but my, I'm going to help you get there as long as you're willing. And so when they come in, um, you know, we're, we're hard on them. I mean, we're tough on them mm. just because that's how it is. That's how we are. That is our style. Um, and the world is like that. You can't, <laughs> you, you're not going to just walk up to, a, 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 you know, a business and just say, hey, I need a job and they give it to you. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not that's not how it works. Right. They, they don't care what you where you came from or whatever. Like, yes, you had as an athlete, you, you had something that got you here, something that, that, that got you to Ohio State, which is your ability. Um, but now we have to enhance that. And I also understand you're a you're a teenager and you don't really know hard work. You don't really know um, what it means to, to really be mentally tough. You don't really know. Um, you, you don't really know those things. And so we have to, we have to teach them that. And you, you, you tell them and you put them through adverse, tough situations um, and you show them that and you, and then you also help them how to teach them how to get out of it. And then, you know, give them the opportunity to do that. So when those freshmen come in, um, you know, whether it's in mid-years in January or, you know, freshmen coming in the summer, they're in a separate group anyway. But, you know, we talk to them beforehand. Hey, this is Ohio State. This is our standard. And this is what you need to do. This is how you can adapt to us because we're not adapting to you. We ain't changing for you. You got to change um, for us and enhance and we'll help you enhance yourself to, to fit this culture and, and be better and help us be better. One thing about a lot of us coaches, man, we, we play the game um, and we understand it. And a lot of, and even, you know, me, um, even beyond me, we had coaches you know, who've been coaching for over 40 years. So they, they seen it, they know it, they understand it. Um, and you, you know what it feels like. And so how can we get these players to understand uh, and understand as, as fast as they can? Cause they might need to contribute. We might need them in the fall, and, you know, a lot of times you may not get a chance to redshirt. You know, I, I redshirt at Penn State just because I, I just wasn't ready my first year. Uh -huh. um, and the competition was, you know, through the roof. So, you know, and, and at Ohio State, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, every year you, you have these guys coming in who are better year after year. So now, okay, your class of 2020, you know, they're trying to recruit a guy in 2021 that's better than you. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? How are you going to adjust yourself and adapt uh, to that situation? Yeah. 
How do you guys bounce back from like a highly successful season, like conference title, getting to the national championship, you know, getting to that playoff, have, having these, you know, having to just reassess the athlete and say, hey, look, we've accomplished our goal last year, but this year's different. Where does the motivation and discipline come from bouncing out of a successful season into your next one? Uh, self-awareness and okay. self-reflection. So, I, I mean, since I've been Ohio State, we haven't won a national championship. We won some Big Ten championships, and you know, I wasn't there in, in 2014. Um, but I firmly believe that there's always something or multiple things we can improve on, and mm-hmm. and it starts with looking in the mirror. You know, what didn't we do? You know, where what what areas were we not as sharp? Um, and, and and that's every position, every player, every coach, every trainer. Everybody has to look in the mirror of how can we be better. And I think we do an awesome job at that. Our leadership uh, between Coach Marotti and Coach Day, they do a, a tremendous job at just saying, how can we be better? And now it's mm-hmm. easy to see, okay, yeah, we, you know, you get to the playoffs and we come up short. That's the easy, um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the easy, dis- not disadvantage, but I guess the easy thing to see, deficiency to see, but now it's, okay, what, what, how can we tighten up the screws? You know, how, what, what are the, the small things we're missing? Is it discipline? Is it accountability? Is it, do we need to study our film more? Is it football IQ? Um, is it our flexibility? Like, what is it? And we got to find those things. And so it's important as the coaches, the mature ones on the staff and on the team to figure out where, 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 we, where we came up short. And even the leaders, some of the seasoned players, okay, what, how can I be better? What is it? How can I find that, that inch, that extra inch, that 1%? That's going to get us the help. That's going to get me to the next step, to the next level, um, to help my unit, my position group, and then to help my side of the ball. So that way we can be better as a team. So I guess just finding, scratching the claw and finding what is it that we can get better. Is it my footwork as a DB? Is it, is it my, my, my steps? Is it my six-inch power step as an as a O-lineman? Is it um, you know, my hip position as a quarterback? It's so many little things that you can get better at. So it's, I think it's endless. Is that do we need to get tighter as a team? Because um, you can have plenty of talent, but if you're not, if you don't have the togetherness, the cohesion as a team, and put it together, mm-hmm. you won't win as many games. Now, how do you guys? Now, not to be too invasive, you don't have to talk about you know how you guys strategize, what you guys do in the weight room, but training regimen wise, because everyone in the country squats, benches, you know, not everyone does Olympic work. Some most uh, people do. How do you guys take that? What you just said into the weight room for the next off season. Yeah. And like you said, we, we do what everybody else does. I mean, we, we do free weights, um, ground-based movements. I mean, we squat, we bench, we clean. Um, we'll do almost whatever it takes, you know, to, to, to get the body to adapt for and prepare for the demands of, of the game. Um, so we're not really married or, or stuck with a certain philosophy or a certain discipline. Uh, you know, of strength conditioning, but we have to prepare our athletes for, for football. I mean, that's, that's it. And, and if you stick to your principles, stick to your principles of training and, and, um, and strength conditioning, things like that, the body will adapt. And so mm-hmm. even before that, even before you get to the X's and O's of training, it starts with what's the message from up top. And like we just talked about, you know, what do we need to work on? What are, what are some of our deficiencies, you know, and, and then how can we, echo that in a weight room and emphasize that and how can we, you know, emphasize that message through training? Um, because like I said, we, we lunge, we step up, we split squat, we incline bench. I mean, we do that. I think the training is the training and yeah. Um, You're going to get better training, whatever you do. Yes. And we want to attack the mental aspect of it. We want to attack right. the how, how you do it, not the what. And mm-hmm. we want to do, do whatever we can to almost simulate the competitive demands, the, uh, the, the demands of the game into the weight room. And obviously in a safe, in a safe way. Um, so, how, you know, how can we create that competitiveness? How can we um, put, put these players in these situations where they have to rise to the occasion? Yeah. And if they don't rise, if they don't step up, you know, why, why didn't they put them in leadership mm-hmm. positions in training, get them to talk in front of the group. Um, 
So when it comes to, when it comes game time, when it comes spring ball or game time, it's easy because they've been through it, or at least a variation of it. Um, and, and that's what we try to do, if that makes any sense. Now, yeah, it perfectly does that. I want to piggyback off what you just said to, you know, uh, my experience here at Fordham. Uh, my first year here, you know, we didn't do too good football-wise. Um, I think we only won two games. Uh, football coach kept saying, hey, you know, guys just aren't strong enough. Guys just aren't strong enough. Mm-hmm. Year two, guys are strong. We got guys, you know, we had multiple guys front squatting over 400. Um, you know, guys doing body weight Nordics and whatnot. Uh, you know, doubled our win total, but we obviously we didn't get the win, winning season that we wanted. Um, lost a couple games on, you know, last-minute drives. It's like, oh, yeah. we just could have closed it, could have sealed the deal, couldn't finish. So the message this year, this past offseason was finish. So we started including, like, like you said, the mental aspect. We started including finishers at, at the end of some of our workouts, not all of them, just to, you know, attack the mental aspect, the competitiveness of the, of the uh, workout and whatnot. So, you know, coronavirus set us back, but our guys, you know, they're kind of locked in. So, yeah, it's like you said, it starts from the top, big dog. You know, what's the message from the top, man? Um, and how can we translate that back into the weight room? And, you know, like you said, the training is what it is. You know, you can do a front foot elevated squat, rear foot elevated squat, bilateral squat, your legs are going to get strong. Yeah, and I, I had those same ideas, man, before I – because I was – you know, I was wondering what, what I guess the quote-unquote the top schools were doing yeah. when I, before I got here. And then when I got here, I'm like, you know, I, I saw what sets, you know, Ohio State apart. And, and I think it's the consistency, the attention to detail. Yeah. And surety. Like I said, everybody squats. But then it's how you coach it. Is how it's performed, how it's done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what separates you. I, and I love our staff um, from the top down, from Coach Mick, Coach Marotti, and Chris Fenelon, Nico Palazzetti, Kenny Parker, and myself. Um, I mean, all of us are so different in our styles, and we all believe in the same thing uh, and, and the same values and, and how we and how athletes should be trained and developed. We believe in the same thing, but then it's delivered in different ways. It's delivered yeah. in five different ways. And I think that's what makes us effective. We aren't the difference, no. But I think we are a, a integral part to the development. A lot of it is the student athlete. I mean, you come in with, with um, a, a great heart, great attitude, high character, along with the genetics. Good things happen um, when, you, when you combine all of those things. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, do, <laughs> we do what everybody else does in a sense, but I think how we do it um, – sets us apart. I don't know if it makes us better, but I think it just sets us apart. And then when our players buy into it, when they just listen and, and then apply, you know, what they what they've learned from us, um, that definitely helps. And then when they see when they see it, when they see the fruits of their work and the fruits of their labor, that's when you really get that trust. Uh, and they still, you know what these coaches have the best have my best interest at heart. Yeah. And like you said, man, that, that genetic makeup is everything, you know, always tell, always tell some kids, look at your parents, blame them. Don't blame your coaches, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but yeah, my parents give me flat feet, boy. Yeah. I, was, I, I, was not, I was not the fastest guy, man. I, I was quick. Yeah. I was not fast. And I think that's why I'm, I'm I was a, a old lineman, former old no, lineman. Bro. Listen, man, I'm, I'm slow as hell. I've always been slow, but my dad played soccer back in Italy. So, I, you know, I was a pretty good place kicker going into football. So I there you go. There you go. There yeah, you go. So, you know, I got to thank him for that in the college education. <laughs> but, uh, you know, going, going back a little bit, you got an athlete freshman year one, mm-hmm. moves forward year two, moves forward year three. How does the conversation and the way um, the relationships develop over time with those guys change, especially when they start to prepare for bigger and better things like, uh, you know, at that level, most, like you said, most guys are, you know, got the eyes on the prize NFL. How does the conversation change from, freshman year to that junior, senior year when they're starting to prepare for uh, hmm. that next step? I, I think it's based off where they are at that moment. Some athletes can't handle a deeper conversation mm-hmm. about what it takes to be a great teammate. They, you, you can't talk to a freshman about leadership, especially if he's not showing um, any signs of it, any, 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 yeah, any signs of it. Um, I think as a freshman – you want to you want to teach them how to add value, how to add value where they are at that point in their career, and then I think you look at their strengths. Okay, this is how you can help the team. Okay, okay, you know you're a freshman, um, you want to get on the field, but let's say you you got a a senior, you got a senior right now in your position, um, 
ask yourself, how can I add value? Instead of just sitting on the sideline and, oh, I'm just going to wait my turn. How can I add value? How can I bring more to the team? Is it being a better practice player? Is it being a better scout team player? How can I just get out there and show what I can do and help this guy to, to elevate himself and then realize that we get better um, the more we compete? So with a freshman, I'm trying to show him how he can do that. What a freshman, I do. You won't. You probably won't see the as a freshman alumni. You probably won't see the field this year. So now, what can you do? Build your body up. Show up every single day in the weight room and give maximum effort. Be coachable. Listen. Watch the old players. Mm-hmm. You, you you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. You got two eyes and one mouth for a reason. So see and listen first, yeah. and then just learn. Be inquisitive. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. If you if it doesn't make sense to you, ask. Um, and so then let's say sophomore year, just kind of advancing a little more. And so we always try to preach and, and, and tell athletes the why, why they're doing it, understanding what happens as a result, because, you know, they, they go off of what they've been taught, what they've seen. Um, and so you have to, you have to teach them and show them, you know, you know, what's the benefit of a, of a carbohydrate? Why, why, why are we box squatting? Why, why do I need to squat below parallel? Why? Um, why do we have this much weight on the sled when we're doing our sprints? Things like that. That's important for them to understand. And so, because this, it may be unfamiliar mm-hmm. to them. Maybe they didn't do it in high school or they didn't do it growing up. Um, and, and I think, and I like these, this new generation of kids because of players, because they want to know why. And I think that pushes us as coaches to really see if we know what we say yeah. we know. Um, it's easy just to tell somebody what to do, but I think you get more trust. Um, when you're able to, to, to tell them and show them, hey, this is why you're doing it and this should happen as a result. And then when they see it, when they feel it, when they, when they move better, mm-hmm. when, they, uh, when they're able to stick with the top receiver in one-on-one drills, when they're able to stay in front of the best D-tackle during one-on-ones, that's when it's like, I get it. It clicks now. So I think that, that's how the conversation changes. And um, I think yeah. it's the education piece. So, so just seeing what they can handle and then just giving it to them just in, in small doses, week after week, month, month after month, season after season. Yeah, you don't want to uh, don't want to overflow overflow the system. Basically, you know, you don't you don't want to. It's funny. A friend of mine said this the other day. You don't want to upload too much software to a hard drive that can't really sustain that much. Uh, I guess I guess drive space or whatever it is. So small, yeah, yeah, small yeah, doses. That's a great analogy. Yeah, small doses is key. Outside of all that stuff, culture wise, I'll be honest. Culture to me is number one. Everything else is, you know, secondary in, in nature to me in the weight room. But um, athlete managing systems, what, what are some things you guys do, you guys use, you know, fatigue-wise, sleep-wise, hydration-wise? Because, uh, I, I mean, during the football camp, we monitor player hydration based off body weight. We don't have, you know, the expenses to buy all this high-tech stuff. Um, I like to manage my athletes' sleep, you know, to show them, hey, you're sleeping at this time. You could be going at this time and get a little bit more hours of sleep. So what are some things you guys do to manage athlete stress? Yeah, um, well – one thing we, we talk about all the time and, and it's, it's amazing, you know, with technology and so many products that come out, you know, we, people think that I got to buy the newest, the latest and greatest, you know, piece of equipment that comes out. Yeah. Uh, they, buy they, this supplement. That stuff won't give you any answers. <laughs> Nothing. And, and, and it's a, <laughs> and the, the, it's good old fashioned sleep. Mm-hmm. And I, I love, I'm, I appreciate one of, one of the benefits of this, quarantine, stay at home, isolation time is that you don't have your cryo chambers. You don't have your float tanks. You don't have, you know, all these amenities um, that you had before. You got good old fashioned sleep. Mm-hmm. Take your butt to bed. Yeah. Get seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, and, I, and really teaching athletes how to be aware of that. I know for me, in college, I was going to bed around 1130, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, and then get up at five, train at six. And I didn't really understand it, at least the, the benefit, not, not the benefits, but um, the effects of not getting enough sleep. I just wasn't aware of it. And so, and now I'm aware of it, but I'm 30 years old right now. So yeah. how can we get <laughs> that 20 year old to, to see it? Look at your energy levels throughout the day. Look at your, your, your memory, your response time. How are you reacting to, um, to your your classes, your scheduling. How are you? How are you going? How are you managing yourself throughout the day? 
what are your, like I said, what are your energy levels like? Are you fatigued by two o'clock? Are you, I mean, are you taking a multiple naps throughout the day just because you didn't get enough sleep? Are you, you know, are, are you falling asleep around 10, 11 o'clock in class? Cause that's a, that's a, that's a big sign that you didn't get enough sleep the night before. Yeah. So, um, definitely focusing on sleep. Um, we do, we use GPS monitoring. So we use a program called zebra. Um, and that, that helps with that. And we, we can track total distance, what's called hard effort distance, player loads, change of direction, things like that. And, and that's been huge for us. Um, just enhancing our programming. Um, uh, we do that in, in, in training practice, um, and, and especially in camp. So it's going to be huge coming back from, uh, this, this isolation stay at home order when we get back to training, just to see where, where our guys are, you know, what, what's their training status like. So that's huge. Yeah. Um, internal load, we measure heart rate, um, and those, uh, and those type of things with majority of our guys, um, heart rate variability. We use Omega wave, which is an awesome system. Um, we use that mainly during camp, uh, camp and, and, and spring ball and also, also in season two, we don't really use it often in the off season. Um, but that's been very beneficial. Just looking at stress levels and CNS activity. Um, and that helps us get a gauge. And so and then also every day we're looking at body weight. Um, we're, we're looking at hydration levels, um, just to see where guys are. And, and I think body weight is one of the biggest determinants of just, you know, athlete status. I mean, we're looking to see if you're, if you're, uh, above or below that 1% of your goal, if, if you are, then you got some problems, you know, you got some issues, at least you're, you become at risk for those issues. And so we want to make sure our guys know that. Um, so, Hey, if your goal is to be 295, you know, you're, you're right around 290, 292, we got some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, you don't want them to learn the hard way, but sometimes they have to learn the hard way. Yeah. And so, but is that's why we have to prevent them from getting to that point. So that's why we constantly encourage, I mean, constant messaging around the building, um, just contact with the athletes and Hey, this is, what you need to do to take care of yourself so that you recover faster um, and, and you adapt uh, to be even better than what you were before. Yeah. I, I think you hit it on the button there uh, with the key word awareness. You know, I know a lot of people like to buy all the bells and whistles or the, at least they want to buy all the bells and whistles. Like you said, the Omega waves, the cryotherapy stuff and all those other stuff. But it's like, what, what's all that stuff really good for? Cause at the end of the day, when you're on the field or the court, whatever sport you play, guess what? Your opponent's not going to look at your, uh, look at your stuff and say, ah, oh, you didn't get enough sleep. Let me take it easy on you today. You know? And it's one of the things yeah. I bring up with my athletes. Cause I'm like, I'm big on sleep, man. Um, and monitoring their sleep. You know, sometimes a kid will come to the weird coach only got four hours of sleep. And I'm like, I'm aware of that. I saw your sleep report. Not, not, not uh, that's not good. And they'll try to get out of a lift or whatever. And my thing to them is, Hey, look, that sleep, you know, your sleep report is not an indicator of should you lift or not today. That's just to bring self-awareness to you and to me to see what's going on. Is you, are you progressing? Or are you regressing? And at the end of the day, when you're on that court or on that field, your opponent doesn't give a damn if you didn't sleep last yeah. night. They're going to go out there and try to beat your ass to the best of their ability. So you <laughs> better find a damn way with four hours of sleep to get it done. But mm-hmm. know that you got four hours of sleep. And like you said, are you sleeping in class now? Are you, or do you have more mental fatigue earlier in the day? Change that. You're going to sleep at 2 a.m. Hey, look, push that back to 12 a.m. Now let's try to push it back to 1130, push back to 11. So yep you know, small approaches, but the basics, man, the basics. And it's that's, that's so true, man. And then they, they don't get it. I and mean, we take sleep for granted. We do. And you know why? Right. You know why? Why is that? I heard this a long time ago. Sleep is, we take it for granted because two things, one, it's easy to do. And two, it's free. There's no price tag on it. Ooh, there you go. You know, so every time people see, you know, 99, 99, they're like, oh, it's gotta be good. It's worth a hundred bucks versus this is free. It's like, eh, it's probably, it's probably nothing. It's free. Yep. yep. One, one thing I learned, I'll tell you this, man, one thing I learned, and this was, this was probably, you know, my junior, senior year in college, I realized, like, once I started feeling the, the uh, effects of sleep, the negative effects of sleep, not getting enough sleep, and, uh, you know, I think it was a big part of it was, I guess, what they call the FOMO, the fear of missing out. <laughs> Oh my God, I got so, that so bad, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're scrolling on your phone, you're seeing what's out there, and like I said, in 20, let's see, 2010, you got Facebook at the time. You didn't have Facebook and Twitter. Instagram yeah. wasn't out yet. But you're scrolling, see what people are saying. And um, and, and then you, it's, a, it's a cycle. And then it's like, okay, I just wasted two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, my melatonin levels are off. And then I can't go to sleep. 
And now I'm working on five hours of sleep and then I'm going to give an excuse the next morning. So they just look at the pattern, the cycle that you just created. Yeah. Where if you just went to bed at 10 o'clock, you probably would have found out the information that you missed the night, the night before. And you, you feel better. You got better, better uh, energy and you're clear and, and you work at a higher level and you're fine. Yeah. So I think I was the one who was like, man, I'm going to stay up because, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, everybody else is up. No, I'm going to stay and play the game. And it's like, dude, like you, you don't need it. Like you, you don't need it. Yeah. And I, I finally realized that. And I see it now, like <laughs> you're still going to get the alerts on your phone yep. and you'll find out in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I tell, I tell my athletes the same thing. Like, Hey, those posts, they ain't going nowhere. That video game still going to be there tomorrow. But the mm -hmm. one thing you don't get back in this life, in this world is time. You waste time doing the wrong things. You invested your time the wrong way, man. Time is our most valuable resource. It is, man. But hey, Quinn, man, I appreciate you big time coming on today. A whole ton of insight. But I got to ask you one last question, man. Yeah. If you weren't coaching today, what other career field do you see yourself doing if it wasn't for coaching? <laughs> this, that's, a, that's a good question. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I thought about this, and it's important that we pay attention to what our loved ones tell us growing up. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you listen to everything, but you just pay attention. And growing up, my parents, church members, family members, so many people said, hey, have you considered or thought about being a teacher? And, and because I, back then I, I was a middle school, high school student, I'm like, and, I, and I, I dealt with those teachers every day. I'm like, man, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be this. I don't, I don't want to deal with these kids. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that was my mindset. But, and now it just kind of, as, as I reflect, and just being a coach, every day we're teaching. Every day we are imparting some wisdom, some knowledge into someone, whether it's a family member, whether it's an athlete we're working with, you're, you're, you're giving knowledge to them mm -hmm. um, so that they can, they can use that to, to live a better life. So I think I would probably be a teacher. And now I hated math. <laughs> I, I hated math. So now what, what would you teach? I, I'm not <laughs> I don't know, but I think come on, hey, you, we deal with math every day, Q. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you, you give it to me some 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 algebra and calculus, man. It's like, hey, oh, that's over that, for that, man. Yeah, but I, I think I would be a, I, if I wasn't coaching or, or training in some way, I would definitely be a, a teacher. Um, and I think there's not enough male teachers. I think there's not enough African American male teachers out there. Um, I think we're powerful. We 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 have a, a presence and. It's important for these athletes and just young people in society just to see more men teaching. You know, you see a lot of women teaching and, and that's mm. and that's great. But more men need to be out here in these classrooms, and in these schools, um, because that's, you know, that I mean, yeah, college is an is a important time. Um, but, you know, high school is an important is a critical time for these young people. Yeah. Elementary school is a critical time. Middle school. So. I think we need more teachers and I think I would be a teacher if, you know, if I wasn't coaching. That's awesome, man. It's good stuff. And coaching is teaching, you know, Absolutely. So you already got that quality. So that's awesome, man. Um, hey Q, if, if some of our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Um, and it's just my name, Quinn Barham, Q U I N N B A R H A N. Same thing for my Twitter handle. Um, and th those are the kind of the best ways to, to reach me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all social media platforms, the, the major ones. Um, and I, I'm open to talk, man, reach out. I think that's a big thing that young coaches don't do, uh, don't do enough of. And, and that's just connecting and networking. Like I'm a, I try to be a lifelong learner. I don't know everything, but I want to learn as much as I can. Um, so I can be better in the many roles of, of my life and my, my circle of influence. So yeah, those are my handles and just contact me, man. I'm, I'm all ears. And, I want to learn from you. Yeah, no, and Quinn's the type of guy, he won't big time you either. So, and if he does, you know, <laughs> reach out to me first and I'll reach out to his ass and I'll get him. <laughs> nah, yeah, I won't do that, man. And, 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 and you, know, just, you got me thinking, like, you know, one thing, like, these folks need to do is use social media. 
Like, yeah. I've been I trying to be way more active on that damn thing because I'm I'm a dinosaur on there sometimes, you know. Oh, but now you don't have to be a post. You don't have to post so much. You don't have to do all that. Yeah. Um, just use it. Like you have so much information out there. You got and you have access to people. Like so many coaches that I've I've looked up to over the years are on social media, and if you can't reach them, you know through email or telephone, see if they have a social media handle, um, and 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 reach out to them. A little quick, short message, not not a long three paragraph message because that you will get ignored. Mm-hmm. But a quick, you know, one paragraph or a couple sentences. And you never know, that might be a way to, to connect with that coach you always wanted to, you to talk to. Um, I, I always wanted to, to sit down and talk with Mickey Murad. I wanted to talk to um, so many different coaches out there, Gus Felder and uh, who else have I, Benny Wiley, so many, co- Kaz Kazadi, all these coaches that are out there um, that I always want to talk to. And social media has, you know, created that, that, that avenue to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get over our fears of you know what people might say and oh if I get ignored or afraid of or afraid of rejection you can't be at the end of the day you're trying to learn you're trying to get access and you're trying to just be better and a lot of these coaches want to want to speak to us they want to talk to us young folks and and learn from us and and you know impart some wisdom and knowledge into us so we can't be afraid to to not reach out because you you can't you can't be that person that's too scared to reach out and then get mad when you don't have that, that contact, when you don't have that communication. Don't do that. Cause you got, you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah. That's awesome stuff, man. Well, Q appreciate everything, brother. Yeah. Do appreciate you, man? Thank you. And I hope I was, I hope I was able to, to help somebody and you know, I, I don't have all the answers and, and I appreciate this platform because you know, you're helping a lot of people. And so let's, let's keep doing it together. We're in it together. Definitely man. Till next time, brother. Absolutely, my dog.